Let's talk kingdom. Let's talk kingdom. You know, it's one thing to talk about the church, and we have a local church, and we are here at our church, and we're proud of it, and we're thankful for it because it's the fellowship of God's people coming together. It's, it's a reality. It's the truth. It's, it's what God's always purposed. But then there's another part of that called the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And um, there is what I would say a particular culture that's within the kingdom, and then there's a culture that's within the world, and the culture that's in the world, we're going to have to make up our minds. Is that how we're going to live? Is that how we're going to uh, navigate our lives through is the, is the culture of men, the culture of the world? Are we going to look at the blueprint of the culture of, of Hollywood and determine that's how we're going to live uh, our lives as believers in Christ? Because I can tell you that the culture of the world has crept in to the living rooms of the believers. And it's crept into the house of God, the local church as well. And we have to keep an ever watchful eye and we have to keep our hearts ever vigilant, our prayer high, that we don't allow the spirit, that's what it is, or the culture of the kingdom of men to invade what God wants in our life, which is called the culture of the kingdom of God. I'm really, really, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be super nice tonight. I'm not going to get out of control or nothing tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to stay in control. Everybody knows that's a lie. It ain't going to happen. But I want to tell the truth so that we can understand where we're at. I believe in the church 100%. I'm a pastor, so therefore I'm married to the church. Okay, I, that's my calling. That's who I am. I function in different roles and responsibilities within that. But my first function really is that of a pastor. Couldn't believe God called me to be a pastor because to me, I'm not a natural pastor. I'm just not a natural pastor. Um, but I have functioned as one for many, many, many years now because that's what God saw in me. So guess what? Sometimes he calls the foolish things of the world. Wait a second. No, every time he calls the foolish things of the world to come found the wisdom of the wise. But I have grown accustomed to becoming a pastor and to be able to be with the sheep and learn how that function is as well. I would much rather function in the office of a prophet, which I flow in and out of because that is just come on. Get with it. Get, get kicked in the tail and go home and go do something else. Praise God. Prophet gets to come in. They get, they get to come in, come on, and just do what they got to do, and they leave town and leave the pastor the mess. Amen. Blow in, blow up, and blow out. That's how they do it, right? So, um, but, but that's not my responsibility. I, I believe in the church. I bleed it. This is what I live and breathe and do, and I will do as Lord until uh, the Lord tarries unless he sees fit to do something else, but I don't see that anywhere in the near future. My point is, is, that, is that the kingdom of God has a particular culture, and I see so much in the church that I'm going, my God, we got to wake up. There's so much garbage in the house of God. And it's not necessarily that it looks like it's garbage, but I see a lot of fakeate, a lot of stuff happening that's really not the Lord at all. That's more hype and more attention grabbing and trying to get other Christians to come to their church. 
I don't want anything to do with that whatsoever. I want what God's called us to do and no more because otherwise you get in uncharted territory that you don't need to be in and you don't have any authority in. And next thing you know, you're in trouble and in over your head. I guess I'm just saying this to this Thursday night crowd because you all are a little more mature. You all are here tonight to learn. But I'm just saying that we've got to safeguard it. We've got to watch it. We've got to pray. We've got to be vigilant to not allow the culture of man to come into the culture of the church. And that goes all the way from not just in the church, but we are the church. So not just in the building, but in our own homes. Allowing stuff into our homes that we should not allow in. Perhaps during the fast, the Lord will speak to us some things and go, wow, you don't like this. I can tell this needs to be out of my life so that I can go to the next level. Everybody say the kingdom is the culture of God. It says here in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not, it tells you what it's not, it's not eating and drinking. But here's what it is. Righteousness, right standingness with God, to be made right with God, and peace, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, everything restored. It's a covenant of wholeness. So you just thought peace, peace, man, peace. No, peace, wholeness is what that means. In and joy. Everybody say joy. In the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is righteousness. It right standing with God is wholeness in God. It's the joy, the expression of God in the Holy Spirit. But it's not eating and it's not drinking. Notice that there, there's a fundamental difference between the culture of the kingdom of men, which is only a natural experience, that's what we came, we, we came to know when we were born into the world. So we got, we got saved. Uh, it's a natural experience. And there's a difference between that and the culture of the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual experience. And so I say the two have got to come together. God doesn't exempt one. We do have a brain. You can't think with it. So we should train our brains. Amen. Sometimes we get so spiritual that we're no earthly good, so we don't know how to, we don't have to function within systems on earth to get better and to be more successful and to grow on planet earth. So you have to have both, the natural and the spiritual, which makes us what? Supernatural. Amen, church. Literally, we live in both worlds. We're supposed to. We don't say, so for years the church came up, and this is more my generation, probably even before my generation, but I was on the tail end of that experience where it was us for no more. It's our church, and we're the elect, we're the saved ones, and we get to go to heaven, and Jesus is coming back at any moment, any, in the blink of an eye. How many remember that? I mean, the rapture of the church was coming in the 70s, and everybody knew it, and there's prophecies and all kinds of stuff. And we saw movies. We saw movies of a mother, and she had, an, she had a pot of tea on the, on the burner, and the whistle was going off, and the kid came home, and mom wasn't there, and the rapture took place. And that actually happened to me about a year after I saw the film, and there was a pot, and the thing whistle was going off, and I'm going, Mom, Mom! And finally my mom said, I'm here, I'm here. I thought the rapture took place, and I was gone. I didn't make it. I wonder why I thought he was going to make it. Hallelujah. So my point is, is that we got, we, we scared people to try to get them into the kingdom of God, to try to get them to heaven. That didn't really work. And so we got, we got this idea is, is that it's just, we get, we, we stay here in the church. And many of you come up in Pentecostal backgrounds in particular, where it was literally just you and a few families and that was it. And everybody else was going to hell. And you preach, the preacher preached like it every single week. Amen. Y'all laughing at me because you know it's true. 
Amen. And so now then, we didn't care about nobody else. We didn't mean to not care about them, but that's what we were taught. It was just us. We were happy to be going to heaven. And so we didn't get, we, didn't, we got no experiences. Nobody ventured out into business. Nobody became a politician. Nobody became a Danny Gokey and went out, out into that, that. Nobody did any of that stuff because, my God, everything was going to get us. We need the natural and we need the spiritual so that we can be supernatural people living in the world, affecting change for the kingdom of God, bringing his culture to the culture of man. That's God's best. That's the mountain of the Lord's house that was bigger in his vision. Uh, Isaiah's vision was bigger. That mountain was bigger, Ezekiel rather, because it was bigger than because God's kingdom is bigger than anyone else's kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's method of operation. It's, it's his MO. It's how he operates. It's God's way of doing and being right. It's to show us how he does things and how he's right. It is also God's, uh, God's exchange system from heaven to earth. So heaven's spiritual, earth is natural. He placed, placed in the kingdom of God in order for his, the, the spiritual things to come into a natural world. Everything we need is in the spirit. But we gotta, we got to manifest it into the natural. So by faith, when we pray, when we obey God in what he says to do, and we step out in faith to do that, is when that gets transferred from one plane, which is spiritual, into a natural plane. That's called the kingdom express. I would call it that way. The kingdom of God is by way of getting that advancement. Jesus taught us to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray your kingdom Come, your will be done on earth as it is where? Direct correlation. So God's saying, what I do here, I want you to do there. I'm spirit. What I have up here is spiritual, and uh, it's real, but you can't see with your naked eye. But everything in the natural, I've actually, it's a carbon copy of what I did in heaven. So what I need you to do is pray. When you pray, kingdom come, be made readily available to me now. Come to me. Kingdom come. Your will be done. Where is it going to happen? On earth. Just like it's being carried out in heaven. There's, there's always a reigning king over every kingdom, over all of its affairs, and over all of its citizens. To be a citizen in any kingdom, you have to be born into that kingdom or be received in it by legislature. Very important you understand that. Jesus said, if you're going to be with the Father or have anything to do with the Father, you must be born again. So in other words, I wasn't born in the kingdom of God, and the only way I get in is by, being, by birth or by legislation. Well, legislation is his word. When I received his word, the Bible says, I am born again. For the purpose of what? Being brought in by his spirit into the kingdom of God. And now I am a naturalized citizen of the kingdom of God just like you are. So I am a naturalized citizen of the United States of America and I feel privileged for that. But praise God, if it ever went down the tubes tomorrow, it doesn't matter. I'm still a citizen of the kingdom of God. And his kingdom cannot be shaken. So that gives me great solace and great peace knowing that I know that I'm in another kingdom, which is far more advanced than the kingdom of men. Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. 
My eyes are open to another system, another method of operation, another way of doing life, a transfer system from spiritual to natural when I'm truly born again. What does it take to be born again? Can we just simplify it tonight? I love him so much. I want to tell you that you can love him too and know him too. All you got to do is believe that he is the only begotten of the Father. That he actually died in your place. He was a sinless man that went to a cross that paid the penalty of your sin, your shame, your, someone ought to give God some praise, all your debt. Why did he have to do that? Because it's simple. That's how ugly sin is. That's how far it removed is from God that it required a blood sacrifice, a life for a life. But not just any life. It had to be a perfect, spotless specimen. And his name is Jesus. And then you must believe that he not only forgave your sin, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, but also that God on the third day raised him up from the dead and he is alive. He's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. If you believe that and you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. He didn't have to pay a dime for that. Don't write a check for that. Don't go out and work for it. Ain't got to knock on 15 doors to get it done. You simply open your heart and speak it with your mouth and you are born again in another kingdom. It, it, it shouldn't be hard to serve this king. It shouldn't be hard, hard to serve Jesus as king. He's king of kings and Lord of lords of our kingdom. Why? Because I'm truly born again. And when you know him, you know what he saved you from. It's easy to bow your knees and say, you're king and you are Lord and I am not. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Either you're a saint or you ain't. It's just that simple. And if you're not, you can certainly be one. As a citizen, you pledge your allegiance to the king, do you not? And when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saying, you're king, you are Lord, there is no one else. I pledge my allegiance to you. I will serve you all the days of my life. You are the crowning king and deserve my bowed knee. You accepted me when I shouldn't have been accepted. You brought me in as a stranger when I shouldn't have been brought in. You loved me when I shouldn't have been loved. You healed me when I should have been left for dead. That's what your attitude should be for the king. Am I preaching okay tonight? I love the simple gospel. Come on, don't get me started. I'll get you saved even if you've been born again for 15 years, praise God. I love preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. And so I will say this, that when my, when my, when my daughter-in-law, uh, Anna, uh, she was not a citizen. And when she became, um, I thought she's uh, her, her, uh, her little baby girl. She's a little bit down under the weather tonight. But, um, uh, but what year, uh, Pastor Nick, did she become a citizen? Was it 15? 2015. So she, she did all the homework, they did all the stuff, they had to pay the money, you know, I just got to do all that stuff. And then you, you got to study and you got to go and take the test and all that kind of stuff. And then at the day is you go in into the courthouse and you go and you, you stand before the, the judge so you can be basically sworn in as an American citizen. And I'd never been through that process before, I didn't know anything about it. And so we get there and I mean, this, it's a big old courtroom downtown. 
and it's jam-packed. And I mean, all these people, they're smiling, and there's probably about 200 of them. And then you got about another 200 of us, or 300 of us, that are stuffed in there, family members, all proud, you know. And you get in there. I will say this, probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life and I would say all of us naturally born people, I think all of us should just go through the process. It's one of the most incredible, moving experiences. And when you understand what America really means to the world, it's awesome. And the judge gets up there, and while he's, he's going through the whole thing, and boy, this guy's patriotic too. Boy, he, did, he was slow and methodical. He was making sure they all understood what they were getting themselves into. And he gets up there, and did you know, I did not know this. I mean, I didn't know. That's we're all learning all the time. I missed this somewhere in civics. I don't know what happened, but I missed it. That they have to denounce the nation they come from in order to become a citizen of the United States. So he he reads the pledge. They have to hold their hand and denounce. And I thought, my God, I think every Christian, we ought to bring in front of the church and say, you need to denounce the world and the devil and his, come on, church, and swear an oath. (laughs) I'll never go back again. Come on. Amen. Otherwise, it's what? Treason. Amen. It's treacherous is what the Bible would call it, I guess. So I thought that was interesting. That's how so sincere and how powerful this thing was. The kingdom is somewhat like that. We're saying goodbye to our old ways. The old man dies, the Bible says. That's why you get water baptized. If you've not been water baptized, you have not followed Jesus yet. Now, we love you, but I'm just trying to tell you, get signed up for it. I don't even know what's going to happen next, but get signed up for it because you got to get water baptized because that's a symbol of your faith to the world. The old man, when he goes into the watery grave, that's what that symbolizes, the grave. Like Jesus went to the grave. You go down in that water. But when you come up, you come up like Jesus in resurrection power in a new life. But you leave the old man in the water. It's a powerful experience. Make sure you get signed up tonight for that, praise God. Now look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. And, and that, that is what makes God's kingdom so much more superior to man's kingdom. Watch this. Uh, Romans 16, 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if heirs, then, uh, if children rather, than heirs. Heirs of God and what? Joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So it's very uh, plain in the scriptures that when we come to Jesus as a born-again child of God, born into another system, the culture of the kingdom of God, that we're now God's children, which makes us heir to his throne and joint heirs with Christ. That means everything God promised Jesus, we get to receive. It also means that when God, what God promised, what God has given Jesus comes from him, which makes him our father and us an heir of all he has to offer. I want you to look at quickly the benefits the citizens receive in God's kingdom. Eight benefits. Number one, Our sins, number one, are forgiven. Now, you say, well, I already knew that, Pastor. Then you ought to be rejoicing and thanking God. You know, to me, that's the one thing I always, my go-to thing when I come before God. Thank you, Lord, that my sins are forgiven. I'm not going to hell. I get to go to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. This brings what to us? It brings peace to us. Peace with God. Number two, the second benefit, we become a new creation. The Bible says old things have passed away. 
When we got saved, we became a part of the kingdom of God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. His laws are now written in our hearts and not just on tablets of stone so that we don't live by a rule book, but we live by his divine nature inside of us. Everywhere we go, he goes. I don't have to look up the scripture. I got a discernment in my soul. I know there's something. God, you like this. You don't like that. He walks with me everywhere I go. Number three, the benefit is healing and deliverance comes by way of the kingdom. Healing and deliverance. Jesus demonstrated it by healing every kind of sickness and illness. Jesus always healed those who came to him. And he had authority over every demon. We have authority over all the power of the enemy, according to the scripture, when we use the name of Jesus. When's the last time you used the name of Jesus? As not a cuss word or even a, like a namesake, like almost like in Jesus' name. I mean, I'm talking about using his name with power and authority. Devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Sickness, go in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the power you use with that name. Or that, that's the kind of demeanor you should have with that name. And we can see captives are set free. We can see the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. It's living by God's power every single day of our lives. The fourth benefit is that we have eternal life. So not only am I saved, but I get to live forever. I'm going to live forever, but I get to live, live forever with him in heaven. Jesus died on the cross so that everyone who believes in him will live forever with him. Thank you, Jesus. Number five is the Holy Spirit fills and empowers us. The Holy Spirit fills and empowers us. That's why I said you need to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues every single day. Get fired up. The Holy Spirit will never leave us, but, leave, but rather lives within us. He teaches us and leads us into all truth and testifies of Jesus, and he brings glory to Jesus every single time. He's the one who teaches about the Lord. Number six, sixth benefit, we have a relationship with God by way of the kingdom benefit. God is our father now, and we are his sons and daughters. We're adopted into his family. We're now friends of Jesus rather than just servants. Remember he said, the day, he said, the day is coming. You will not call me a servant. You will not say rabbi is a servant, but you'll say, I'm, he'll say, I'm your friend. Friends sit closer than a brother. So Jesus made that very clear. It's more about covenant and about family. The seventh thing is relationship with others. Okay? We would call that the Greek kononia. That's the fellowship that we have with each other. That's why the church is so important. So I was visiting Dave uh, Butler, and I want you to continue to pray for him. Uh, we're believing God for big things for him and a total turnaround in his body. The, the surgery he had done was very successful. He was up doing his, um, his, uh, his re what is it called, uh, rehabilitation? What's it called? Physical therapy, and, and he was up doing his workouts. It's just a little picture, and I loved it. And uh, he's, I believe God's going to do a miracle in his body. Come on, somebody. I know God's going to do a miracle, but we got to pray. And, um, and what I love about this family, here they are in church tonight. Praise God. And some people, can't, I'm tired. They're, they're right here, right here. They're probably embarrassed I'm doing this. But right here, they're, 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 their father and their husband is sitting in the, uh, in the, in the, what's it, it's the VA hospital, and here they are worshiping God in the house of God. To me, that's amazing. I love that. Because that's where your source is. We need the fellowship of the house of God. Dave said, she said, they said, I think last time he said, should, should I stay here with you? He goes, no, go to church. I want you to go to church. 
That way you come back, you're pumped up. Come on, somebody. I love that. And so we met a, 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 a young man named Robert there. And Robert was one who worked at the hospital. Have you seen him since, by the way? And Robert was there, and he was, <laughs> he was, he works at the hospital. And when they're just chatting and um, cutting up a little bit, and we're talking about the fast. And so I told him the joke that I tell everybody about. I've been on three 40-day fasts, right? But I only made it to day three. So when I said, so I said, we've been on, I said, yeah, I've been on three 40-day fasts. And he was cleaning, he was cleaning out the trash, and he also goes, and I told him about day three. He goes, wait, wait, you guys are fasting? I said, yeah. He said, man, we're fasting right now too. He said, well, me, and I got some people in California I know, and I decided to fast with them, and we're going on a 21-day fast. I said, we are too. And we started talking about Jesus. He starts crying. We're thinking, oh, y'all get me started. He's, oh, man, you get me started. He's, he's doing the dance, you know. He's, he's pumped. He's excited. Talking about the Lord. And his, his wife had died uh, in, in 2010 and ended up in Milwaukee from Chicago and kind of heard his whole story. And... Um, you know, old school Walkman. I haven't seen a Walkman. I'm talking about a cassette player. Cassette player. How do they work still? It had no front to it, and he had a tape cassette that you could only buy in 1986. I'm telling you, it was the cassette. And he said, I, he said oh, man, I listen to it every single day, man. And so he's telling us about his music, and he's telling us about the word that he listens to and all that. And, and, and uh, I think it was Brianna, where is she at? I think you invited him to church, gave him a card, so you need to come to church and stuff. Yeah, I'm looking for a church. And I was trying to tell him, look, you need, you're getting, man, he's, he's on fire for Jesus. But I know how it works. All that will begin to fade if you don't have other believers that you can connect and plug in with. So y'all pray for Robert that he comes on Sunday. Come on. He wanted to come here. But I believe in that. That's, that's what the church is about. So it's relationship with others. It's the body of Christ coming together. And number eight, and finally, prosperity and abundance comes through the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget that the kingdom provides for us all we need and more. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. He was speaking about the kingdom of God. And someone said, well, I haven't seen my miracle or my breakthrough yet. That's okay. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. That's the whole point. You gotta be, you gotta get into it and say, I'm not giving up until I see the miracle happen. Amen. Did y'all get something out of the word tonight? I gotta quit right here. We'll maybe pick up next week. Amen. This is good stuff, y'all. Culture of the kingdom is what we need to learn. Now we have to operate in the culture of man, but we don't have to be a partaker of it.